You're listening to Akiona Law Podcast, where myself, founding attorney Lonnie Akiona, interviews industry experts on everything you need to know about family law and divorce in Seattle, Washington. Akiona Law, caring for you in your time of crisis. Welcome back. I'm Lonnie Akiona of the Diverse and Family Law Firm of Akiona Law. We I'm with immigration attorney Brandon Gillen. We had a little bit of some troubleshooting issues with the internet, and Brandon is back. And where we left off, I'd has I had asked Brandon a question about so essentially if the family law court annuls a marriage based on a fraud. Uh, I had discussed with Brandon about then it then goes before the immigration judge. And if the immigration judge determines a marriage is a fraud or sham, deportation proceedings begins against the foreign national. And then that will then terminate the U.S. citizen's duty of support. Is that right, Brandon? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the family court's determination of annulment is not going to affect the affidavit of support, yeah. I don't think. Um, <clears throat> but if, if U.S. immigration, you know, like Homeland Security gets, um, you know, investigates and somehow determines that there was a fraud marriage or something, and, and this is kind of unlikely uh, unless, the, unless the now green card holder spouse applies for citizenship and then they determine that she was inadmissible at the time that she got a green card because of there, were, there was a fraud marriage. I mean, it's, it's kind of unlikely, I think. Um, but if it were to happen and, uh, and then, you know, say, say that foreign national green card holder now ha- um, could potentially be put into removal proceedings, maybe, maybe not. And if uh, they are put into removal proceedings and an immigration judge then determined there was a, a sham marriage, well, more than likely that person would be deported. And uh, then, you know, then it would be the, the, the former affidavit of support would be terminated. But I think the misconception a lot of U.S. citizens have is they think that they have some control over this. So they, okay. they, might, they might call me and ask me, oh, I, wanna, I want you to help me get my former spouse deported. It's like, I, that's, first of all, that's not what I do. Secondly, even if I wanted to do that, I couldn't. Because it's not, I'm not law enforcement. That's like asking a prosecutor to prosecute somebody for, for, you know, I don't know, anything. So basically I just tell them, well, I'm not law enforcement, but there's a, there's an ICE tip line. ICE is the Immigration Customs Enforcement. It's the enforcement arm of Homeland Security. Just go online, fill out the tip line, and then that's really all you can do. Um, it's not up to you. It's up to them decide whether they want to pursue that person. Okay. So, yeah. So you can help and you you're helping in the sense of bringing in. Um, so again, if, if I'm a U.S. citizen and I married a foreign national and I want to bring in that foreign national, I'll reach out to you to help me with the petition for the green card application. And then what, what do you tell people about this? The affidavit of support, the I-864 when they're, when they're meeting with you about the petition for green card application. Yeah, it's very important for me to explain the affidavit of support to both parties um, because it goes along with the notion that I'm jointly representing them in this matter. So I represent the 
petitioner on the initial immigrant petition and the affidavit of support, those two aspects. And then on the flip side, I represent the intending immigrant on the green card application. So this is a, a joint representation sort of necessary in these cases because it requires all of it to, to get it through. And so when I meet with people, I, I carefully explain to them about the affidavit of support. It's in my welcome packet. There's a whole page devoted to it. Um, and then I just uh, stress to them that, you know, if there, if there is a divorce, um, I have to withdraw because then I can't continue to represent both parties anymore. It would be untenable. My loyalties would be divided. It would be a conflict of interest inherently to do so. And so if there's bickering, if there's any wind of, um, you know, uh, marital breakdown, um, breakup, anything of that nature, calling me with complaints about the spouse, the other spouse, it puts me in an untenable position and I have to withdraw because uh, I can't, I can't be in that position. <clears throat> I also explained to them what, you know, what I've already uh, talked about here, which are the five ways that the contract can be terminated. And I, I tell them very, in very clear terms that divorce is not one of those ways. So if there is, is a divorce, you're still obligated under that petition. And again, if there's a divorce, you can't call me and ask me how to protect yourself because I, I would have to withdraw. I'd have to, you'd have to go seek out your own independent counsel at that point. And I think that's an important, I, and I'm sure that comes up all the time, that a divorce does not terminate the U.S. citizen's affidavit of support obligation. Yeah, it's happened a few times in my practice um, experience where my former clients will be married for several, several years and then maybe, maybe three or four years later, I get a phone call uh, from one of them saying that there's a divorce and that either you know, either the petitioner, you know, wants to get out of the contract or find ways to terminate it, or the foreign national might you know, ask, you know, oh, my foreign or my U.S. citizen petitioner, former husband or wife has, you know, is, was obligated to um, keep me above this threshold, this say if it was a family size of two, roughly 20, 22,000 a year threshold, and they have not um, keep, kept me above that threshold. Uh, for it's been two years since the divorce and say, you know, say two years times 20,000, they owe me $40,000. You know, I want to sue them for that and say, <clears throat> again, you can't, I can't help you with that. You might, you might consider calling somebody else um, about that. Had I not been your attorney at the beginning, I might need, I might be able to help you with that. But, um, but certainly not the U S citizen. I, I don't, <clears throat> I don't take those cases. I don't, I don't, uh, it's not that I have anything against the U.S. citizen. It's just that I, I would rather um, not do that. And the reason is because there, there really are no defenses to um, the enforceability of the contract when it's been executed. Because, like I said, both federal and state courts have been uh, pretty decisively clear that it, that contract is ironclad. So, for example, um, a lot of these defense attorneys might get tricky with um, claiming con like typical contract defenses for it, maybe no consideration or something like that, or, right. uh, or, you know, like, oh, the, the former foreign national spouse didn't mitigate damages. And so that was like a big breakthrough case 
um, that actually went to, um, it might've been a federal court. And the question is whether, yeah, the foreign national has a duty to mitigate damages. Um, what does that I, mean mitigate? Are you saying like the foreign national spouse has a duty if the spouse is an employee to find work? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And the court said, no, um, I believe that, oh yeah, yeah, it was a federal court. And I think that was in the seventh circuit that went to the court of appeals. And that was the famed ju um, judge Posner um, who came down with that decision and uh, <clears throat> no duty to mitigate damages. So the former foreign national spouse does not have to find work, even if they're, even if they're like injured or just sitting on the couch, they don't need to find work. So that U.S. citizen, former spouse, still has the obligation to the fullest at that federal, federal poverty guideline amount at the time the contract was executed for the, for, for the number of years that's gone by. That's a really big commitment then that that U.S. spouse is undertaking in terms of that affidavit support then. Uh, when do you not have to submit an affidavit of support? There are only limited circumstances where you don't have to submit an affidavit of support. Um, I believe under, um, under the Violence Against Women Act, if you um, like are a self-petitioner in that regard, you do not have to submit an affidavit of support. Um, let me just find the, the language here. Um, I was wrong before, like, when we previously spoke, I had thought that maybe there was uh, victims of uh, uh, victims of crimes, but but I was I was incorrect on that. The victims of crimes, like for a U visa, people still have to do that. They have to find a uh, sponsor. Um, right, so um, you don't. I mean, <clears throat> so violence against women if they're being abused by their spouse and they're exempt. Yeah, if they if they were abused by their spouse, say, and then they were able to prove it by there's a form called an I-360 that they'd have to submit and show evidence uh, so that they can basically be granted that immigration benefit. They could get a green card through that I-360 approval and they would not have the obligation there. So those people are not subject to the public charge ground of inadmissibility. It's it's waived for them. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So you're talking about if they're abused by their U.S. citizen spouse. Yes. OK. And was there another if you if you come in on a work visa? Yeah, employment based employment based applicants um, are also not subject to the affidavit of support. Uh, they. Hang on, I need to find that language. Anyway, the, the overarching point here is that most, most green card applicants are subject to the public charge ground of inadmissibility. So therefore they would have to file that affidavit of support. Okay. So it says, again, it sounds like very limited circumstances when you would not have to do that affidavit of support, which most likely doesn't apply to most of the U.S. citizens bringing in their foreign national spouse. Yeah. So- here we go. I found the language here. And so I just wanted to find the language so I can tell you exactly um, 
who who is sub subject and who's not subject. So who is subject to the so all immediate relatives of U.S. citizens, so that spouses, unmarried children under 21, and parents of U.S. citizens who are 21 years um, or older, and then family based all family based preference immigrants. So um, so immigration makes the distinction between immediate relatives and preference category relatives. So preference category relatives are people like spouses of green card holders, um, uh, parents of you, uh, uh, sorry, uh, children of green card holders, married children of U.S. citizens or who are uh, 21 or older, um, and uh, and then like siblings of U.S. citizens. Those are those are types of people who are in preference categories. They have to usually wait in line to get available visas for them in order to apply for a green card. They're all subject. And then um, employment-based- they're, they're all subject to the affidavit of support. Yes, yes. Um, so, and then and then like a very small um, carve out for em- employment-based uh, immigrants where the US citizen um, has a significant ownership in the entity that filed the petition which is pretty rare. Um, so the, the people who are not subject um, are though, like, again, those people who can be cr- uh, credited with 40 qualifying quarters of work in the US. So there are some people who fall into this because say they've had work authorization in the US for a long time. Um, okay. I, have a, I have a client right now who, uh, who was granted temporary protected, protected status um, this is a, a, a from from her home country, which is something that she can apply for based upon a homeland security designation that that person from that people from these countries deserve, like uh, work permits and the ability to live in the U.S. So they don't have to go back to the the country, which maybe has some instability. They can get work cards, and they can that temporary protected status designation can last decades. And so in this particular person, they've had work authorization for over 10 years. They've been working, paying taxes for over 10 years. That person, and now that person's in a position to file for a green card uh, because of a family relationship, but she's not subject to the affidavit support because she's already got the 40 qualifying credits. Wow. Um, and, uh, and then um, there are some children who are not subject to it if they qualify for citizenship by virtue of their parents' naturalization. And then, like I said, those uh, self-petitioning um, abused spouses, type, those types of people. And uh, and yeah, that's about it uh, for the people who are not subject. So it's a pretty narrow carve out. Most everyone is subject. Okay, got it. Wow. And what's what's the takeaway here that you would tell the, the US citizen then who is petitioning for this, I, mean, I guess, what's the takeaway you would tell the U.S. citizen about this affidavit of support that they signed? Um, usually I don't, I don't, I'm not um, in a position to, to uh, make them worried. I, but I have to tell them, you know, that this is a obligation that could be potentially indefinite if one of those five things does not occur um, so like, I, I just, I, I usually just give them the facts. I say divorce is not a way that's terminated. There's only five ways. And then I, you know, I make them 
sign a paper saying they understand fully what their obligations are. And I don't think I've had anyone in 10 years say, like change their mind, say, oh, I don't want to marry this person anymore. Um, because, you know, they've already come to me because they, they, they want to do this. And they, most of them have a vague idea that they do have to financially sponsor their, um, their foreign national spouse. Hmm. Okay. Well, the, the takeaway I think would be just that if you, um, the takeaway is divorce does not terminate your financial responsibility that you, the U S citizen agreed to sign by signing this affidavit of support. Yeah. I have had, yeah, I have had situations where say it's a young couple and the um, petitioner doesn't make enough money to sponsor his or her spouse. Okay. And so therefore they, they, that petitioner needs a joint sponsor uh, to, to, you know, execute their own affidavit of support and say that person, um, their, one of their parents does it. And I've had situations where the parents uh, will be very concerned and say, well, I don't know about this. I don't, I don't know if I want to be obligated um, to support this person who maybe I've never met or I don't like, or I don't think is a good fit for my child, you know, or, and, and then they'll start asking me, what are my obligations under the update of support? And that's a situation where I have to refer them out to another attorney because of the potential for a conflict of interest in the future. So as a matter of policy, immigration attorneys should never represent a primary sponsor, like the young spouse in this case, and a joint sponsor because of the, of the uh, potential for divorce there. There's a divorce, there becomes a conflict of interest that's inherent in that situation. And so um, like immigration attorneys will frequently refer those people out. I've got a few people on my, in my book who I just refer to regularly for joint sponsor inquiries. And uh, we can't have anything to do with the joint sponsor. We can't, we can't talk to them. We can't advise them. We can't even look at the form they give to us. You know, just if it's wrong, it's wrong. If you have questions and you need help with it, you should probably talk to your own independent attorney. Okay. So I guess just to wrap things up though, if I am, if I'm the spouse, if I'm the U, if I am the foreign national spouse and my U.S. citizen is filing a divorce for me, do I then come and see you for help with enforcing the affidavit of support obligation? Uh, sorry, um, can you say that one more time? Yeah, if I'm the if I'm the immigrant spouse, the I guess the 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 foreign national spouse, my U.S. citizen husband is divorcing me, and I need someone to help me enforce this affidavit of support obligation. Mm-hmm. Do I come and see you? Uh, if I represented if I represented you in the green card application to that person in the green card application, then no. Um, but yeah, if, if I didn't, if I have no prior history with that person, then I could, I could potentially talk to that, that person about, about, um, their case. Uh, yeah, that would be the type of person that I I could talk to. I typically do. I don't, like I said, I don't talk to, uh, us citizen petitioners about, about this issue, 
And just, just because I think that um, there's very little that I could do aside from uh, maybe helping them settle a case. But again, that's not really, that's not the work that I prefer to do. Okay. So got it. So people can come to you if they're looking to uh, establish, if they're looking for help with petition for green card application, and they can also come to you if they are the non-foreign, if they are the, the foreign national spouse and they're looking for help to enforce this affidavit of support. Mm-hmm. So what's the best, how can they get hold of you? Oh, well, my, my firm is called Gillen Law Group and um, we're located in, in Linwood, our physical offices. And uh, we, we do Zoom meetings these days a lot with people or people come in person. But anyway, um, my phone number is 425-947-1130. And um, a general email is info at gillenlaw.com. Gillen is spelled G-I-L-L-I-N. And our website's just gillenlaw.com. Well, thank you so much for your time, Brandon. This affidavit of support, I-864, I feel like... We only touched the tip of the iceberg. It sounds something that's it sounds something that's really complicated that people need to speak with an experienced immigration attorney like yourself to handle this. So thank you so much for yeah. your time, Brandon, on joining us on the Akiona Law Divorce and Family Law podcast and how it intersects with immigration law, specifically the affidavit of support I-864. Yeah, uh, happy to be here. Thanks, Lonnie. All right. Thank you, Brandon. The information in this podcast is general advice only and should not in any respect be relied on as specific legal advice.